Hello, I'm Victoria Walker. Thank you for pressing the play button today on another episode of the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so grateful you're here. Now, this episode is called Beauty and Her Beast because the quest for beauty and perfecting the outward appearance has generated quite the beast, if you will. Today, we're going to face off with that beast. You might remember that our series on beauty started last week as we jumped into Psalm 139, and we took a look at the time period in his life when David penned this lovely psalm. We recognized God's omniscience and omnipresence, and were called to action to really examine our thoughts about God and about what He says about us. Let's go a bit deeper and snapshot societal and trending views on beauty today. Is it accurate to say that most folks have struggled or do struggle to some degree with their body image? And finally, is there anything we can do to become more physically attractive? Hmm, let's dive in. In this first section, let's look at the beauty industry beast. Here's a brief quiz for you. Okay, this comes from Business Insider. The beauty industry's worth has been estimated at about how many billion, would you say, in 2019? Now, this would include items like cosmetics, skin and hair care products, makeup and perfume. What do you think? How many billion? 532 billion. Can you get your mind around this? Or here's something from Statista. What is the leading beauty manufacturer worldwide? Did you say L'Oreal? Or how about this one from Forbes? What is your guess for the leading beauty retailer in the United States? And I've been here a time or two. That would be the store called Ulta. Here's another from Daily Mail. Just for curiosity's sake, do you know the best-selling perfume for 25 years now in England? It's Chanel number no. 5. Okay, so let's talk men. How much money do you think that about 70% of men spend on grooming products each month? That would be $20 or less. Now, I can more relate to that. I'm kind of a minimalist, and so I would trend more in that area. And okay, as of October of 2019, what beauty company touted the most followers on Facebook with a whopping 9.56 million? And I'm going to give you a, a clue on this one. Their store is still found in many of of America's malls. You know how our malls seem to be dying a little bit because people are buying so much online and via the internet and so forth, and we're not going out as much to the malls. But this store, oddly enough, I just read uh, an article recently, they are thriving in the American mall. Do you know what it is? It's Bath and Body Works. Go figure. Okay, let's talk weight loss. Just how much do we spend on weight loss in the United States? And let's include big companies like Weight Watchers and also all the other items such as meal replacements, pills, surgeries, eating clean, all of that. Well, get a load of this. In 2018, that was about $72 billion. Suffice it to say, I think we've determined that the beauty industry beast is alive and well. Now, this beast may partner with the media to convince us that we're just not okay the way we are and that we'd better strive for their definition and their standards of beauty. 
Could we say that this is an age-old phenomenon? I think so. The ancient Greeks were known for their pursuit of beauty and believed that they coined the definition. They actually created a calculation called the Golden Ratio of Beauty, or phi. Now, some people say phi. This Golden Ratio of Beauty, which it, it mathematically analyzes the symmetry of the human face with the presupposition that the more symmetrical the face, the more beautiful. And apparently this ratio lives on to this day. Or what about Leonardo da Vinci? He echoed human perfection in terms of body symmetry. Do you remember the sketch of the man that he's so famous for? You know, with all the lines kind of coming out in the circles? Or think about the symmetry that's found in architecture. Evidently, the human eye enjoys patterns and balance, if you will. Well, what are the beauty standards for women in 2020? Let's see. Perfectly toned bodies with flat stomachs, full breasts, long, long legs, and really big, nicely rounded rears. Does that sound about right to you? Well, we can talk statistics, the pursuit of beauty, and beauty standards until we're blue in the face. You get the idea. Beauty has created quite the beast, all right. And also, is it accurate to say that we've all struggled with body image? Do we all long to be beautiful? In my personal experience, I think it is safe to say that my generation struggles with body image and the whole notion of beauty. Our daughters may struggle as well, and we all want something different for our granddaughters. You may know friends and or their daughters who have been plagued by various eating disorders, even their sons, actually. To be sure, the roots of these issues may not stem from strictly the desire to be beautiful or to uphold societal pressures to look a certain way, but certainly they could. Now, what is so ironic to me is that so many women deemed the most beautiful in the world, well, they've also struggled with their body image, their shape, size, and color. Here's an example. Lupita Nyong'o, now she was a Mexican-Kenyan actress named by People Magazine to be the most beautiful woman in 2014. She said this about skin lightening, quote, my self-worth was compromised by adverts. I felt that I was not considered beautiful because of my complexion, end quote. You know, the beauty industry and the media may establish the standards for beauty nowadays, leaving all the rich and famous and the celebrities under the microscope, so to speak. But let's be clear, social media, their followers and fans don't miss a beat either. Have you heard of body shaming? I didn't even know what that was until I started my research here. Apparently, body shaming is the public verbal assault that many famous folks, especially women, endure from the media and even from their so-called fans. It's really bullying. And it's a wild mix of reactions from you're too fat to you're too skinny. You know, women have babies and their photos are snapped a few months after delivery and the media and online trollers are positively ruthless. Listen, here's what a Bollywood actress has to say. This was uh, Sanam Kapoor. She's an, the uh, Bollywood actress who was voted one of the most beautiful Indian women in the world. She said this in a personal interview with Elle magazine. 
Quote, like every girl, I spent many nights through adolescence leaning into my bedroom mirror, wondering why my body looked nothing like it should. Why does my belly crease? Why do my arms jiggle? Why am I not fair? Why are there dark patches under my eyes? Why am I taller than boys my age? Do stretch marks ever go away? Will this cellulite stay forever? And she says that a comment from a family member, quote, confirmed that my greatest insecurities were well-founded. I constantly worried that if if asked to dance in a backless choli, rolls of back fat would give me away as an imposter to the industry. I mean, nobody lines up to buy tickets to see cellulite. The ball is in the media's court to celebrate fit bodies rather than thin ones and to know the difference. I know now that there's nothing wrong with stretch marks, cellulite, or scars. They're markers of our growth. There's beauty in their realness. And this comes from an interview in Elle magazine ending that quote, but I love her concluding remarks here. Certainly this type of outlook is where we all want to arrive with our own body image and aspirations. So let's pause for a moment. Do you, listener, have any body hangups or issues? Are you overly obsessed with external beauty? Do you have good good days and bad days in terms of weight loss or food? Do you need to realign your thoughts regarding the beast of beauty in any way? And what exactly does the Bible have to say about beauty? Is there a healthy balance for how we can approach physical appearance and beauty? I think so. And that's why I'd like to offer three practical beauty tips. And we're going to get to those in a moment. But first, let's review and listen to Psalm 139. You'll remember from last week that we set the historical backdrop in Psalm 139 at a time in David's life when he was anointed king over all Israel. Perhaps he was about 40 then. His life had been quite the adventure to that point, but in this sweet song, he recalls how God is always with him and how God is keenly aware of his thoughts. The overarching iteration of God's plan for David since his creation in his mother's womb is extremely comforting. These words affirm to us that we are beautifully created, worldly standards notwithstanding, and that we are here on a mission, and that God is always with with us, and He knows our thoughts. We are charged with knowing our own thoughts as well. If we know all about God, but don't believe what we know about Him, there's a huge disconnect. If we know about Christ, but don't accept the gift of eternal life that He offers to us, well, there's danger on the horizon for us. This psalm is both comforting and sobering at the same time. Let's listen. Psalm 139, New International Version. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. 
If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In my study on beauty from the Bible, I've created the three R's of how physical beauty might be displayed. Beauty is far deeper than physical attractiveness, but I think there are a few things we can do to enhance our appearance. Now remember, we are sons and daughters of the King, and we can act like it. We ought not get hung up on the externals or equate our self-worth with what we look like. But this does not mean that externals aren't important or that we shouldn't pay attention to keeping our bodies healthy. So, how exactly do we display our physical beauty as God designed us? Here are the beauty tips that I promised you. Number one, we reflect body beauty via body language. Number two, we respect ourselves. And number three, we project confidence by rejecting social standards and accepting how we are made. Let's drill down on each one. Number one, beauty tip. We reflect royal beauty via our body's language and our countenance. Okay, as to body language, think of the power of a simple smile, the many expressions of our face, sparkling eyes, and a relaxed demeanor. Have you ever walked into a room and out of the crowd someone spots you and instantly lights up because they're so happy to see you? Now, isn't that person beautiful to you? Have you ever admired someone so comfortable in their own skin? You know, the folks who move and talk and maneuver so gracefully. Their body language speaks acceptance of others as well as their surroundings. They position themselves as available. They put their purses and their cell phones far out of sight and out of reach. They use their body language to fully engage with others around them. 
folks clamor to be around them and keep their company because those beautiful people smile and laugh a lot. They exude joy and they're generally upbeat and positive in their outlook. Their body language says they are open and interested. This type of beauty is very attractive. And you know, it has little to do with outward appearance, but everything to do with elevated graciousness and poise. As to reflecting royal beauty by means of our countenance, we can first consider God's countenance. The priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 6 says, quote, Now may the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. End quote. That verb lift is used to describe a person with conscious rectitude, cheerful and full of confidence, exceedingly glad. This beautiful blessing is suggesting that God turns his face toward ours, and then we find peace. His peace is transferred or appointed to us. Further, God's face is filled and shines with light. In Proverbs 16:15 it says, "In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain." In other words, we can reflect God's beauty and his light. We can aspire to demonstrate these qualities as well in our face. Is your face angry, even fierce or fallen? Is it sad or perhaps expressive of a sorrowful heart? And if it's any of these, how can we change our face? Psalm 42.11 says, Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. End quote. You see, our hoping in God has a way of changing our face. Do you need a facelift? In Proverbs 15, 13, it says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Well, if you do need a facelift, take your soul's anguish to God for healing and hope. And soon your face will exude hope and cheer even during the toughest seasons of your life. Tip number one is to improve your physical appearance by examining your body language and your countenance. Be beautiful. And beauty tip number two is to respect yourself and exhibit self-dignity. Do you cleanse your body regularly, wear clean but not terribly worn clothes, put on a bit of perfume and wear deodorant? Do you brush your hair? Keep your teeth clean? Do you dress for the occasion? Put your best foot forward, so to speak? Is your body weight comfortable for you? Do you feel healthy and strong? This is a simple attitude of self-respect. It's free, and it allows you to present yourself in the very best light as you take care of your physical appearance and your bodily health. This approach is not based on perfection in any way, but instead it's based on simple common sense. You know, my grandmother's generation got all dolled up to go into town. Why? To impress others? Well, maybe. But I think they did this mainly because they valued cleanliness, neatness, and orderliness in their appearance. They respected others by showing they respected themselves. Sometimes it's really fun to play dress up 
even as an adult. We can treat our bodies to long baths, spa visits, manicures, and beauty luxuries. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, let's just consider Queen Esther, right? You know, what we wear does matter. Formal dinners and balls, they're exciting to go to. They're memory makers. You know, I heard once that the heart of every woman simply wants to know that she is beautiful. I mean, who doesn't enjoy an occasional compliment? It's okay to enjoy beauty of our bodies and our appearance. We just need to be careful that we don't become consumed or obsessed by our chasing after beauty. That wouldn't be wise. Paul writes in the New Testament that our body represents the temple of the Holy Spirit. How are you treating your temple? God judges your heart, yes, but I think we would all agree that He is also concerned with how you're treating your body, which was designed with a mission to bring glory to God. In other words, we cannot become more beautiful in God's eyes. There are no degrees to Him. He declares us beautifully made just as we are. Our job is to simply take care of this body that He has created and given to us. So tip number one was to reflect royal beauty via our body language and our countenance. Tip number two was to show self-respect. And now tip number three. Tip number three is to project confidence by rejecting social standards and accepting how you are made once and for all. We can learn to relax when it comes to our God-given bodies, and we can learn to accept God's truths and His claims about our bodies and how we're made. We can reject social standards. We do not shame our own bodies. We strive for health, not perfection. We don't itemize the individual components or aspects of our bodies, honing in on our so-called imperfections. You know, we've got to watch our thoughts. We tell our ourselves, I'm not my nose. My nose is a part of my beautifully and wonderfully made body. I am not my feet. My feet are a part of my beautifully and wonderfully made body. I am not my teeth. My teeth are a part of my beautifully and wonderfully made body. You get the idea. Rejecting social standards is perhaps the hardest truth for us to grab hold of because we are so indoctrinated by the media and the so-called beauty trends. We idolize those women and men with apparently flawless bodies. However, ironically, even those individuals deemed most beautiful have something about their appearance that they dislike. They struggle just like the rest of us. We can choose to reflect confidence by viewing ourselves in the way God does. We reject social standards about our body and about how we should look. This allows us to physically relax and we come into full acceptance that how God created us is perfect because His ways are perfect. As the magnificent artist that He is, He values diversity Let's use our physical bodies to glorify God in all that we do and say and in all that we think. We have to choose to think. When we accept our bodies as God has so wonderfully formed and shaped us from the very beginning, as echoed in Psalm 139, we refocus on what's most important. 
not our physical appearance and body, but on our identity in Christ and the internal beauty that is ready for the taking. And this is the topic of our concluding episode on beauty that you don't want to miss that airs next week. Now listen, we've gone over the three beauty tips. You really can become more beautiful from the outside, and it will show. Now, before we conclude this episode, I'd like to take a glance toward Jesus. Just how was Jesus physically described in the Bible? Although quite a few folks, such as Joseph, Rachel, Abigail, David himself, his sister Tamar, his son Absalom, Queen Esther, Sarai or Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Job's daughters, and the list could go on here, they were all described as beautiful or fair. Jesus, on the other hand, never was. But we do know that as the ultimate sacrifice for all of humankind, he was without blemish. He was called the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb. What do we know about Jesus's appearance? Well, we know he was a Palestinian Jew about 30 when he began his public ministry and 33 years old when he was crucified. The general scholarly assumption is that there was nothing particularly exceptional about his physical appearance. As a matter of fact, on a few occasions, he was not even recognized, like in the garden before he was arrested. Even near the tomb after his resurrection, he was mistaken for the gardener. On the road to Emmaus, the two followers didn't recognize him, although they had a serious conversation with them. Obviously, there have been a multitude of artistic representations of Jesus throughout the centuries after his death. You may even have seen the computerized negative image of what some believe to be Jesus's face based on the Shroud of Turin. But really, his precise image remains a bit of a mystery. And it is just as well, because otherwise, you know, we're human and we might elevate certain characteristics over others. And this is not exactly in tune with what God is telling us in Psalm 139 and what we've been learning. In the spiritual sense, not only was Jesus the perfect lamb, some scholars say Jesus was depicted as the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon, while others say that these references point toward the church or the bride. Nevertheless, we can connect the dots. A lily will remain its stunning appearance, will maintain its stunning appearance despite gashes, tears, and wounds. It is white, representing purity. Jesus, of course, was pure, humble, and without fault. The rose has been called the world's most favorite flower. Is there a sweeter fragrance? And it's grown in every country as long as the weather permits. I think we've established in today's episode that beauty has a beast, from the beauty industry itself to societal standards that pressure us to look a certain way. And we've learned that although we don't have to play those games, so to speak, we can honor God with our bodies, just like Jesus. But dear listener, beauty has another beast. It's called the cross. What do I mean? It was Jesus's physical hands and feet and his side that were pierced. It was his head that hung low at this moment. He gave his physical body as a rare and unparalleled show of submission and sacrifice for your benefit and for mine. 
humankind begged for proof, and it was his physical body that resurrected, a historical fact that cannot be disclaimed. Essentially, without Christ's resurrection, the Christian faith is bust. Christ's body was the divine vehicle to draw folks to him. His death and resurrection left indelible proof of his existence and purpose. He gave his body. He gave himself for you and for me. His body's the bread, his blood, the wine. Have you tasted of this great show of love? Johnny Diaz recorded a song in 2014 called The Beauty of the Cross, in which he said, quote, The great irony and beauty here is that we're singing about one of the most awful torture devices ever conceived by man, and yet we're calling it beautiful. Those of us whose lives have been changed by the sacrifice Jesus made for us at Calvary know exactly why the cross is so beautiful. Do you know why? Because the sinless Jesus died for sinners like you and me, would you believe that we are found without blemish before God's eyes too? Go out and discover today just what this means. But for now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for creating each individual that walks the face of this earth in your own unique way. Thank you for offering us your face so that our faces may reflect and magnify your beauty. We confess that when we have scorned our physical appearance, we are chastising you and your great work. Forgive us when we chase after worldly standards instead of accepting this magnificent truth. Help us to choose thoughts about ourselves that reflect your glory. Help us to be so very grateful with hearts melted from the from Christ's divine beauty and the salvation that he freely offers us in his name i pray amen Thank you so much for tuning in. It means a lot to me that you're taking time out of your day to journey alongside me. Please stay connected. Did you know that my website has lots of downloadable freebies just for you? Visit www.startwithagratefulheart.weebly.com today for more info. And if you're into the whole gratitude mindset like I am, join me on Facebook at Start With A Grateful Heart. Also, I'm on the gram, snapping pics of beautiful Midway, Rico, my blog mascot, and sharing scriptural images as well. If you would consider supporting this podcast, I might do a backflip. I need your help to keep putting the word out there. Just click the listener support tab if this is something you'd like to do. And listen, I'm the one on the other side of all the private messages and emails. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.